Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Yeah, gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. And I can't get it out of my head. Cause I won't use discretion when I'm talking about obsession. Cause this is what makes me me. And I'm glad that I called ya. I'm talking about nostalgia. And this is where I wanna be. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Yeah, gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Welcome back to another episode of The Gimme, everybody. I am your host and resident horse girl. Although I get tired of saying that every single week, I need to come up with something else to call myself because it's embarrassing. Um, on this week's episode, we have, I'm so excited for this week's guest. He is absolutely hysterical. Uh, he is a New Hampshire native. He was in the 2019 Just for Laughs Festival in the New Faces Showcase. We have on Drew Dunn today. Hey, Drew. Hey, how are you? Good. How's it going? I'm doing great. Great to see you, Kathleen. It's been uh, it's been a while. It's <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time. I want to say the last time I saw you may have been in like February. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I think we did a virtual comedy studio oh, show together right. or something. Yep. But yeah, in real life, it has been too long. But that yeah. goes for most people these days, I think. Yeah. <laughs> But you seem to be one of the few comics who, at least during like a portion of the pandemic, you were doing, you were booked on some stuff. You were traveling a little bit, right? Yeah. So once like July came around, I pretty much had at least a show a week until uh, about the end of November. So that was, I, I felt like super fortunate for that because I know most comics didn't even get an opportunity to get on stage once, let alone once a week. So a lot of that was kind of like, I had a big tour planned for for like my first like actual doing a tour between like April and the end of June. So I had a, like a lot of different dates that I was going to go do a lot of like the residual stuff that was coming off of the just for laugh showcase people right. I met. Um, and then all of it disappeared, obviously. So slowly those weekends started to get reoffered to me. And I wasn't for me, I wasn't in a position to say no to those opportunities. Sure. Where if I say no, I'm never going to get the call again. If it's my first weekend headlining a club, you know, in Minnesota, why would they call me again if I said no when they need me? So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was just kind of going out there doing as much stand up as I could, uh, as safe as possible. I said no to a few things that were like, just didn't make sense. Or people were like, look, I don't believe in COVID. But you should come do my show. I was like, I don't think that's how I want to do this. So I just picture people being like, let's do meet and greets. And you're like, eh. Yeah, I was staying in the green room. I was staying away from other performers as much as possible. Just kind of trying to be as smart about it. I had N95 masks the whole time I was traveling. So yeah. I was getting tested before I left. I got tested when I came back. I even like quarantined in this room behind me a few <laughs> times just like to stay away from the other people in my house. Um, yeah. So yeah, I and with all that, I managed to not catch the big C yet. So uh, fingers crossed, we're yeah. going to keep keep moving uh, with that. But with that being said, most shows now and a lot of clubs have, have really slowed down. So I don't the, think I've seen a club show in the last probably like two months. I, maybe, yeah. maybe in Connecticut, there are a couple, but like, yeah, I did. I yeah. did Mohegan Sun at the end of November uh, because they're a casino. So there's, you know, they're going to be open they regardless. Don't care, yeah. yeah. And they've already had air filters in filtering out the cigarette smoke. So That's why not true. add the medical filters in? Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, every other one of my shows has been at uh, Chunky's movie theater since then, which has ah. been... Uh, a little loophole in the system i guess but oh uh, it's been that, working out that must be that's a rob steen room right it is yeah 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 
Yeah, but those have been great. Better than before the pandemic, I would argue, as far as the crowds and reception and everything. I feel like any show at this point would be better than any pan well any show before yeah <laughs> like i was like oh i, I take a i take a poor house on a wednesday again yeah. uh, sure why not I don't yeah know. that's what, that's what i was doing over the summer i was doing campgrounds i would go to like there was one i did where it was a 65 plus campground area so these people are just oh, incumbents there they just live there year round the stage was like this little deck on top of a hill that they had put little like gazebo tops on top of but they were all too short so like I stood on the stage and it was like up to here. So I had to stand on the hill to ro- to like three rows of golf carts is who I was telling the jokes to. Uh, and I had to open with 45 minutes because the other performer was running late. So 40. Uh, oh, so you I, were supposed to headline. I was supposed to headline. Yeah. And then the other guy was running late. So he was just like, can you just do 45 to open? And then uh, I got to run. See ya. I was like, okay, sure. Uh, here That's... we go. That was probably the roughest show I'd done because they just they just didn't care about the show at all. It was broad daylight, like four in the afternoon, and uh, I have a was great picture. Like a I'll K- send it to you. Was this like a KOA or something? I don't know. It was uh, not a KOA. It was one of those similar ones. So that's okay. like up in that. I think I was in Freedom, New Hampshire, uh, oh, somewhere, which Freedom, is a real New city. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real place. <laughs> it's a real place. <laughs> oh God. Well, um, I brought you on this podcast to talk about your obsession, which you you told me was baseball, yeah. which I'm, I'm like actually not surprised by that. Yeah. I don't know much about you, honestly, but <laughs> baseball seems appropriate. Yeah. And that, did you did you get into baseball like at a young age? Were you on like a t-ball team or something like that? Yeah. How did that start? Super young age. So my parents were pretty good at like letting us try different sports. We had like a Y, a YMCA right down the street from our house. So we did basketball and my, my I'm one of seven kids. So I grew up with basically oh, five, right. five brothers. So we were all kind of just trying different sports. And, and most of us just kind of stuck to baseball. My dad used to play baseball too. So he kind of would nudge us in that direction. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think the first time I was on a team, I was like three or four years old. And then I didn't stop until uh, like my last year of college. Oh, so you played in college too. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's the only reason in retrospect that I went to college uh, was for baseball and just keeping that uh, fabled dream going. Yeah. Okay. So did you get recruited for baseball to go to college? Is that why you did yeah. that? Yeah. So I was actively trying to do that in high school. So basically you sign up for like showcases and you go yes. to these, these, these things in front of all the scouts and you throw the ball as fast as you can. You try and hit as hard as you can and run and blah, 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 like a combine basically. Yeah. Uh, so I got a few nibbles at that. Nothing like D1, like I wanted. So I had a few D2 schools, D3, some D3 schools that like were throwing me some money. So I was like, all right, that's close enough to a full ride that I wanted. So we'll, we'll kind of jump in there. So, I mean, basically my first year was like partially paid for, but then after that, that's all they do is just try and get you in the door and then you're just oh, paying yeah. out the ass for the rest of it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've talked to, uh, actually my, my brother got recruited for springboard diving. So like it's wow. a similar process where like you have yeah. to like mail in tapes and like go to a showcase and like do all this yeah. sort of stuff. And then he like gets there and he's like, they're not even paying for anything. Yeah, like, what right. Do, what am I doing? <laughs> I had to pay extra for the t-shirt they gave me to wear oh, for the God. thing after I paid like a couple hundred bucks yeah. to even show up to the showcase. So yeah, that was uh, less than ideal. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the only reason I, I went to college at all. I think if I, if I was more focused on comedy back then, because comedy was always on the back of my mind during this whole thing, because I was like sure. 
looking back on it, that was really my favorite part about baseball was making my teammates laugh on the bench and screwing around on long bus rides and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so it, it kind of makes sense. It, it all leads to one thing or another. Cause I always think like, Oh, I never should have gone to college. What a big mistake, but I wouldn't be the person that I am. I would have started comedy when I was like 18 and who knows it if I would have been any way. good or yeah, exactly. It so. could have gone very well or very poorly. It just yeah. depends. Right. Um, so you said that you were, were you like the clown of your baseball team in high school? Kind yeah, of? that was, yeah? that was my thing of just, I, I would just love pulling pranks on, on people, especially there was a running thing at my school. I don't know if you, you had this, I feel like it was regional and sometimes it was just at specific schools called nugging people's backpacks. Have you ever heard of that? Nugging. So that's, I, when, no. that's when you take somebody's backpack or their baseball bag or whatever you have, you take all the stuff outside of it flip it inside out put everything back in zip it up and then it looks like a little chicken nugget yes they call it nugget bag so that was like one of my favorite things to do was come up with elaborate ways to nug people's bags and then i I started buying zip ties to like zip tie it to chairs and stuff just mostly on the bus never like in class and stuff like that and it was always close friends but yeah that was like that was the go-to prank for a while and then just throwing out random lines and just trying to crack wise that's just always how my brain has been just trying to make jokes at everything yeah. So when you were in high school, did you play just on like a, cause I, I had Kate Sisk on a few weeks ago and she was a competitive soccer player and she played in multiple leagues in high school. Did you play outside of your school as well? Or was it just. Yeah. So I played for the, the high school and then I played for a uh, travel AAU team like over the summer. Oh, okay. Um, so that was most of my parents' money. <laughs> they're, uh, they're like, this is an investment. You better go pro and pay us back. And I was like, I will. I totally will. Uh, here we are. Sorry, dad. But there are seven siblings. You have five- how many siblings? Uh, I'm one of, I'm the second oldest of seven, six boys, one girl. Yeah. So did they like, this sounds rude, but did they like run out of, uh, like were they like ah seventh kid and whatever yeah well yeah i mean basically I'm, the bit i do about on stage is like i think that's their way of increasing the chances of one of us to become successful so sure. they can have a retirement plan you know yeah yeah uh, but yeah i mean by the by the last one uh it's it's so funny to like watch the difference between how i was raised and like the youngest two are raised because there's a pretty big gap between the sixth and the fifth one so like the the amount of like stuff we we got in trouble for or like go to your room for that or do all your chores and i go over there now and they're all just painting all the time having fun there's no rules they can eat whatever they want i'm just like oh okay it was, this is a totally different what's the, mom and dad. what's the age gap between the oldest and the youngest the youngest is 10 and the oldest oh, just turned 30 oh my god yeah that's like that's like a big age gap yeah and like like i said for me it was mostly five boys growing up so i think the the fifth right now is 22 okay. or 21. And then okay. the one below him is 12. Oh, so it's like, it, it it's not like spread out evenly. No, it's like two gap. separate generations of kids all from the same parents. Yeah. My parents are psychotic. I don't know. That sounds like they were worried they were going to be empty nesters and they're like, quick, we got to have more kids. <laughs> It's, I think the more realistic explanation is they don't know how birth control and antibiotics interact. Ooh, and okay. Okay. <laughs> I think that's closer to the truth. Sorry, sis. <laughs> but I oh, think that can man. be said for probably half my siblings, you know, oh, it's okay. Irish Catholic and poor planning, but the combination of those two will, uh, will do that. You know? Yeah. Um, so you said that your dad played baseball, like, uh, did he grow up playing baseball too? Is that 
yeah that was that was one of those things where he'd like tell stories about him playing in high school and when you're a little kid you're like i want to do that one day i want to hit the home run to win the game and blah 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 but yeah um yeah that's that's kind of what really sparked my interest in that and then everything else like came alongside baseball like every video game i would play would be like backyard baseball or mvp baseball like i'd go hang out with my friends like at, at the neighborhood and we'd play wiffle ball or we'd play pickle yeah. which is you know running back and forth between the bases and stuff like that so everything kind of became about that and that was like my sole goal in life was to try to get to the major leagues and then yeah as i as i got closer i, I had a couple brushes with it in high school and i think that kind of like reignited the the obsession wait what's what is a brush with that major oh, league so i through my aau team my okay. my coach's son was on the red sox 40-man roster oh uh, wow his name's, his name's kyle jackson he's, he's now uh he, he got injured now he's a, a high school coach and he coaches a summer league around here um but either way he was he was going through a rehab uh part and was trying to get back in to try out for some of these other teams so he would be having private bullpens and he needs somebody to catch them so uh, i would i went in and caught for the manchester fisher cats which are the double a affiliate of the blue jays okay um so he didn't make the team but then the coach that saw me catch said hey we need a bullpen catcher like you're not on the team but you'll have a locker and a uniform um and you'll just basically come after your practices so i would go hang out in the bullpen with like all these professional players after my high school games catch them uh, like as they would warm up to go in and then if the catcher was out I'd have to run to home plate and like catch in the middle of the stadium so like that was like that's I was like, pretty oh, I'm, cool yeah then you have dinner with the guys after and you're talking to them and then I'm meeting scouts and they're having me do private batting practice and all that kind of stuff so I was like I'm it felt like I was really close but yeah um, I was definitely like I was really good defensively at baseball like I could catch really well I could throw people out yeah. I could block the ball as a catcher um, but my offense was really bad. Like I would, I would do okay. I would be really streaky. Like in high school, I did well, but yeah. then once college came around, I would, I was hitting like 200, which is just not good uh, enough to like separate yourself. Yeah. Um, I was just really bad at that. So I decided like, Oh, I'll, maybe I'll just try pitching. Like I can throw the ball really hard. Maybe I'll yeah. just do that. So I started doing that for like my last couple of years in college and ended up injuring my shoulder. Hold on. Was uh, it a rotator cuff injury? It was not a rotator cuff injury. It was like pre-tendinitis. So I basically had the four tendons that connect your back muscles to your bicep all right here were just lighting up every time I tried to throw. Uh, And it just made me lose like 10 miles an hour on my throws. So I had to choose between redshirting for another year, paying for a whole nother year of college uh, to rehab and potentially maybe be healthy and good enough again to have one more year of college baseball to then hopefully maybe get sure. drafted. Right. Exactly. And and then I'm you're dealing with freshmen that are coming in that can throw just as hard as me. And so yeah, like I had to kind of make that tough call of do I, you know, kind of put this dream aside and and just be a college student now which is like the most uh, that was like the last thing especially at that point in college I already knew I got duped I was like oh they got me the system they they got me they uh, they got my money I'm already in debt I'm not gonna not get the degree now yeah um so yeah I I had to go into my coach's office and tell him like hey I I think I'm I'm gonna call it quits and that was like one of the hardest days of my life and uh for like two weeks I was just kind of like trying to figure out what the hell I wanted to do. Um, and then one of my buddies from 
from high school was doing stand up that I never thought would do it. And that kind of sparked that interest of like, oh. I can do it. Cause it was always in the back of my mind. And like people on the bus yeah. would be like, you should try stand up, man. You're so funny. You've got to do stand up. I was like, no, I'm just funny in conversation. I don't think I can do stand up. Like I can't yeah. make jokes. Uh, and then I just started doing it and just that's now that's all I have. <laughs> so it sounds like you went almost from like one to the other pretty quickly. Yeah, it was literally like two weeks between me stopping doing baseball and my first open mic. Okay. And where did you go to school? Was it in New Hampshire? Or? Yeah, it was a uh, Southern New Hampshire University. Okay. So was your first open mic is SNHU in Manchester? It is. Yeah. So uh, my first open mic was actually the Middle East in Cambridge. Ooh. Yeah, because I okay. wanted to do I wanted to do like a Boston open mic so I my buddy was like hey I heard this one's good so I didn't know how they work so like my dad was excited my dad came my brothers came to like come watch it not knowing what an open mic is yeah uh, and then I go up 28th I think I went on at like 1 30 in the morning like they oh, turned the man. lights off on the guy after me um but for me, just to see how many people bombed was so reassuring for me to want to try it again. Because I was like, okay, I, I know I can at least do better than half the people on this show. I want to try this again and see how I really do for a real yeah. crowd. And um, yeah, that was that was, that was was the it, Middle East that night. It also seems to me like a lot of people who like grew up doing sports or, or some other activity that is like highly involved end up being like pretty good stand-up comedians because they're like willing to like look past the bullshit and just like keep going to open mics and they're like yeah you know like I don't know I know a lot of kids that had practices at like 5 a.m like I had ice skating practice at 5 a.m yeah and it was I like have... sure that's what I'm gonna do yeah that was my typical like college day was like 6 a.m practice uh like on an on the off season was like 6 a.m practice and I'd have classes from eight until two and then I'd go work a full-time job waiting tables in Lowell oh, God. from from three until like whenever it whenever it was done like 10 or 11 and then I'd yeah. go home and do it all again Jeez. Uh, yeah so yeah but no I, I think that there's a lot of similarities between sports and comedy and like and the ability to take it on the chin for one, knowing yeah. that you're going to suck at it. And that if you keep doing it, you'll get better at it. Like that's sports one-on-one. And then I think the other thing is just kind of making those, like, like one of the biggest things, especially in baseball, is like those little adjustments that you have to make mentally. Yeah. Um, and that's all comedy is you write a joke and you make those little adjustments as you go and try and make it the best thing you can. The good thing about comedy is you get that feedback immediately Yeah. where baseball, you can, strike out 10 times until you finally get the one that works you know yeah but I would guess like if you're a if you were a catcher yeah mostly I mean like you're like on your toes you're having to like make the I don't know if like somebody slides into yeah. home plate or like you have to think on your feet right yeah well that's why I loved being a catcher so much uh I mean, because this is the way it was explained to me when I was a kid is you're the only position that's facing the other direction, right? You're the only position that can see the entire field. So you're really kind of the captain without being the captain. I'm the one who can see the guy running what play. So I'm, I was the one that was in charge of, you know, yelling out where the base should go to and yeah. just kind of, and that's why I think I loved baseball so much. Cause especially when you're a kid and if you get stuck in left or right field, like I get why people think baseball is boring. It is boring. That's why I picked catcher. I was between the pitcher and the catcher, the only one in every single play, no matter what, every pitch. Yeah. So that's what I think kind of made me really enjoy it my whole life rather than just kind of getting through it. Cause well, I mean, I've seen some of those little league games where there's like outfielders that are just like 
plucking daisies. It's so like, they're so bored. And all these kids have like ADHD at that point. Yeah. And that was a part-time job I had when I was playing baseball in high school was uh, umpiring for those little league games. Those like low level minors, little league games. So you're just sitting there just going like, please don't hit me in the shins again. Just holding up a big padding. And like you have dads yelling at you about a play. I'm like, they all suck. What do you want from me? They're like, they're just throwing the, they're lobbing the ball over. It's okay. How old are these kids? Like elementary school? Yeah, they're like eight or nine and their dad's yelling at me like it's the major leagues. And I'm like, look, this isn't the time or place. Let's all get better at this. And then you can yell about whether it was a bad call. Do you have any especially bad games that you remember either as being an ump or like just in your general? Oh, there's so many. Uh, (laughs) I remember one, there was uh, it was a good game that like turned into a bad game. So it was in high school. Um, my senior year, we were playing Dover high school, I think. And my first at bat of the game, I had hit my, my, uh, my first home run of the year. So I'd hit a home run and then everybody else on my team was like struggling to hit off this guy. Uh, I got another base hit my next time up. I was feeling really good. And then, uh, come the last inning, we're down by one run. The bases are loaded. And my coach comes up to me and he goes like, Hey, you've been all over this guy. You got this get a hit. Like you can hit this guy. No problem. Like, all right. I, got, I was like, I got this. I've been hitting this guy. There. I hit a home run and I go up there and strike out in three pitches and we lost the game. Oh and no. Was... <laughs> and then yeah. you had to like, what, get on a bus. Then and... you get on a bus and hear about it from all your teammates for the rest of the day. But then at the same time, you can't give me shit. I hit a home run. What did you do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. That like can sit with you for a while too, if you let it, if you're like, Oh, yeah. all my fault. But I think it. that's, again, it kind of goes back to comedy. You can, you can bomb on stage and you got to get back up and go practice again the next day. If I, you know, if I strike out and worry about striking out or especially this is some advice I got when I was younger too, is like, if you go up there and you're in the batter's box and all you're thinking is don't strike out, don't strike out, don't strike out. You're going to strike out because you're already yeah. sitting in your head. Um, but if you go up there confident and just, just think in the moment you're going to be more apt to to do well and and if that doesn't translate to comedy i don't i don't know what does there's i don't know i I, there's so many things for me that like set me up for like to have a healthy mindset without even knowing it Mm -hmm. uh for for comedy that like you always think like oh i should have started sooner blah 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 but again like who would i be i don't think i would have been you might not to, have the work well. ethic or yeah, something, exactly. you know, or the attitude or, or I would have been talking about who, God knows what, you know, thinking it's okay. If I was a, some high schooler up there saying freaking dirty jokes, then you set a bad reputation for yourself. And then you got an uphill route the rest of your time in a scene. It can, it can be tough. So, yeah. Um, Cause I had somebody ask me that recently. They were like, would you go back and like redo everything for like the last 10 years? It's like no fucking way. That no. shit was so hard. I got so lucky to be right place, right time. So many times, like, yeah, why, why would you ever want to redo anything like that? Just keep going. It sounds, it sounds bad to quote this comedian because people don't understand why I like him, but I like Burt Kreischer a lot. I and love he, Burt. He's like one of my favorite. Like, if I could open for Bert, I'd be like, "Oh my god, yeah. I've made it!" Yeah. But yeah. um, he talks about just like being in the right place at the right time and having luck, and how like he used Tom Segura as an example. And he's like, if Tom hadn't been at this one show, he wouldn't have met Joe Rogan. Right. He wouldn't have opened for Joe. So like, it really is all about timing. And to think like, yeah, I could go back and I could not move to Indiana, but like, right. maybe I would be a different person and exactly. I would be somewhere else in comedy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think you can play those, 
those shoulda, coulda, wouldas all day. But I think the people that tend to do well in comedy are the ones that just kind of keep moving and keep trying to make those opportunities for themselves. Because I do think it's a lot about timing and being right place, right time. But I also think you have to be prepared for when that time comes, you know? Right. Like if Burt Kreischer wasn't doing well and Will Smith happened to be in the audience. Right. Who, exactly. Who knows? Yeah. And he wouldn't have been the guy we know. He went to got the Rolling Stone article, blah, blah, blah. And who it wouldn't have you know? been the machine. Yeah. Who exactly. knows? Exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen people get offered stuff and they're not prepared. And yeah. that is a shit show to watch. Like somebody gets offered to submit a packet to a network. Right. And they are like, I don't even know what a packet is. And you're right. like, well, then right. you shouldn't have put yourself in a position where yeah you gotta have your ducks and that's that's something i definitely learned at jfl was like um because I, I i had reached out to some people to try and get advice like what do i need to do before and the biggest thing where they're like writing packets have writing samples yeah um have have an hour of comedy that you can tour with like all, all of those kind of things i mean you see that all the time with late night sets some people go on late night and they have a killer set best set of their life but they don't have the show that these agents want to sell on the road yeah because that's the biggest bottom line, especially for any of these agents or these TV people. They want to make they want to make money off of you. They want you to make money together, essentially. Yeah. Um, so if you're not prepared to make them money, because uh, you doing touring stand up isn't going to make people a ton of money, but if you can do touring stand up plus a writing deal plus a writing job and all those kind of things, then they start seeing the money that they'll actually start to push things forward. So yeah, um, you got to be ready for for both things, and I think that's. It's, it can be tricky, especially in this time where there's not a lot of stand-up shows to do. It's really easy to get not motivated, uh, to not write, Super to not do easy. something. For me, if I'm not writing jokes, like I don't have shows this week. I don't have shows next week. Um, I'm, if I'm not writing, I'll, I'll try and do like a virtual open mic or something like that. Um, but if I'm not writing jokes and I'm at least working on some sort of sketch or some sort of script yeah. or or something, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to keep busy despite the world trying to keep us not busy. Yeah. And it's hard because I think obviously Zoom open mics are not the same. They're tough. And you got to like, you got to force yourself to do them. They're worse than open mics. But but I think too, even if you don't do those open mics, you can, you can pull up Zoom like this on a call by yourself, hit record and talk through your own jokes the exact same way as if you're on the zoom show because guess what you're going to get the same reaction on that zoom show probably a bunch of silence or muted microphones Uh, (laughs) or or like that studio show we did somebody wasn't muted and they had their tv on yeah yeah just a football game or a hockey game in the background yeah (laughs) yeah yeah uh but yeah i think that if you can kind of uh keep busy and and force yourself to kind of do something creative that when, when the world comes back, you'll be better off for it. Yeah. So I have to ask, since you were into baseball, I'm just, and you're from new England, I'm assuming Mm -hmm. you were a really big Red Sox fan as a kid. I was. Yeah. So I actually moved back. So I was born in Boston originally. I lived in, I lived in JP for a few years. Then we lived around New Hampshire for a little bit. And then I actually lived in Washington state for like kindergarten through sixth grade. We lived in a town called Everett, just North of Seattle. Okay. Um, and the year we moved back to New Hampshire was 2004. So that was like, we moved a month before the Red Sox broke the curse. And so that was like, we finally did it. All it took was me coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that was like, and, and my dad wouldn't let us be anything other than Red Sox or Mariners fans growing up. You know what I mean? Mariners. Mariners with the Seattle team and they back then they, oh, they had like Ken okay. Griffey Jr. and Alex Rodriguez um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. all these crazy good players all at the same time 
Um, and back then you could get tickets to a, a Mariners game for like $8. So we would go all the time, especially if they were playing the Red Sox. We went to like all those games. Yeah. Um, yeah. And cool. yeah, that was like, I, I love that. But with that being said, that was really like, I don't, I didn't really follow professional baseball sure. that much. Like that's where one of those things where like, people say baseball is boring. I, I agree. I don't like watching baseball unless it's like playoff baseball or the Mm -hmm. Red Sox are working, you know, it's, they're down three games to none or whatever. Like that's when I get really interested. Other than that, I, I just, I don't know, like I would watch certain things for certain plays, but I just loved playing it and doing it rather than watching it. It's, it's one of those games. I only know this from the extent of Boston comedy softball that yeah, I oh, partook yeah. <laughs> It's one of those games where like it's fun when you're playing, but like when you're watching, it can be like the slowest. It can it's it can I mean oh, I yeah. went to one Red Sox game where I was like, this is a three this was like a four hour game. What are we yeah. doing? If you're going to a Red Sox game for four hours for action nonstop. It's it's like the wrong, you have to go in there with the mindset of like, I'm hanging out with my friends and we're going to yeah. have some beers outside and Oh, there there's a baseball game going on. also. That's and exact, I think, yes. I think that's what a lot of people do to actually enjoy them. But yeah. Yeah. The social aspect of baseball, I think is more fun than watching professional baseball. Yeah. But I think that in new England, especially there's so many players that have just been like, what's the word I'm trying to think of? I don't know. Like I grew up in like the era where like Johnny Damon was like, yeah, the guy. Right. When people were getting beat up for wearing Yankees hats, walking too close to Fenway park. Yeah. And like Pedro Martinez or no, no, Nomar Garcia Parra had like, yeah, yeah, there was like a big, we had a horse at my barn named Nomar. Like that's how like deep. I had jerseys. Every time I got like a nice jersey of somebody, they'd get traded the next year. So I just stopped getting jerseys. I had a oh, Nomar man. jersey. I had a, a Ramirez jersey. I had I had so many that I was just like the next year they'd be gone. I'm like, okay, no more nice yeah. jerseys. Just get me a t-shirt <laughs> for the best. But like you must have been into professional baseball to an extent in high school if you were yeah. kind of like playing with those double A guys, right? And- yeah, that that's what kind of like made me get more focused on on professional baseball because and, and even after that because I mean I, I got to meet some guys that eventually made it to the major leagues like that yeah. was really cool to like watch some guy that I used to talk to every day get a world series title with Kansas City or with the Cardinals you know like that yeah. was that was really fun um, but yeah I mean I, I'd like it to a point like I'd play I played fantasy baseball maybe twice ever mm-hmm. um, and for me it was more like the funnest part of it would be like getting into the nitty gritty in my brain of like okay what's this guy gonna do is yeah. he are they gonna bunt here is he gonna steal like because that's what was going through my head when I was behind the plate catching was all sure. those kind of nitty gritty details of of the flow of the game um, but to just sit there and watch it without that like that on my brain like it wasn't relaxing for me I had to like either hyper focus or just not enjoy yeah. it and not watch it yeah I've um I can't even follow with the stat stuff. Like, I'm just like, I don't know. People, <laughs> yeah. Some people are just really into baseball stats. Like yeah. uh, that guy who works, who writes for Jason, who writes for Vanya land. Vanya land. Yeah. yeah. He's like obsessed with baseball stats. I'm like, that's good for you. But I have, 
that sounds very boring to yeah me. it's it's a lot I mean there's definitely more statistics in baseball than probably any other sport yes uh, and that's I think that's why people love it and that's the, the people that I think you see go to the games that aren't having that social aspect a lot of them are like keeping score and yes. keeping tabs on everything and doing it all themselves and that's how they keep engaged every pitch and it's and it's fun for them but that's what my... it seems like math it seems like homework it is. I mean, that's what my mom does. If my mom doesn't get a program at a baseball game, she's like, well, how am I supposed to follow along with the statistics? And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. We'll get you a program. We'll get you a program. We'll pay $5 to get you a program. So did any of your other siblings like go as far as you with baseball or were you kind of? Uh, yeah. So my, my younger brother, not the one below me, the one below that, uh, number four, if you will, was uh he just i have to say that i love that you're referring to them as their num their number yeah, order it's... and not <laughs> yeah well the number makes that jj is his name okay, okay. Uh, also his initials but we he went to saint anselm uh okay college uh, which is just outside manchester for uh four years and he played baseball through that and he was a pitcher from the get-go so he got up to the point where he was throwing the ball like 94 95 wow. miles an hour um, but then he, he had the similar things last year, his coach started overthrowing him cause he was one of the few guys that could really throw well. And he got partially burned out and partially just in, like injured, couldn't throw as hard. His arm got fatigued. Yeah. Um, and then now, now he's, he's going to an Ivy league school for law. So he's doing just fine. <laughs> so my parents got their lawyer for their there you go. retirement. They're I mean, that fine. seems like a good trade out. Like that's still a yeah. well-paying job and yeah, he'll get the yeah. AAU money back for all of us. I think yeah. it'll, be, it'll be fine. Have you seen, uh, cause I've seen college players burn out pretty horribly. Have you yeah. seen anybody have a particularly bad burnout? Uh, I think, honestly, I think pretty much everybody does. I don't, I don't think there's too many people that make it out of that experience, like positive. It definitely burned me out um, yeah. because uh, outside of getting injured for me, the fun of baseball was just playing the game and analyzing it in the moment and then mm -hmm. reacting where yeah. when you start playing at that college and professional level, it all turns into probability and statistics right. where I would have to be looking over to my coach to get a sign because we want to look at the data for the last five times we faced a guy or similar to him from the school and how many first pitch fastballs did he throw and they're doing all that and then i'm looking over there and they're telling me to throw what pitch like for me it's like how about i just look at the guy's feet or the way his knees are moving or his hip position and then i can like that's Decide. the fun part of the yeah. game rather yeah. than going like statistically what is the best pitch to throw a curveball got it coach like that's uh, so boring to me yeah uh, that and 6 a.m practices 6 a.m runs uh like on saturday morning specifically to make sure that you couldn't go out or have fun or hang out oh with anybody God. other than the baseball team like those kind of things that like I don't know. It just kind of ripped the fun away. It just became another job. It became another obligation of things that and it sounds like you were also, ha you also already had a job. I was working full time. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, yeah, I was, I paid for almost all of my college out of pocket. Uh, if wow. it wasn't from like, uh, and if not the loans are like the, all the student aid is all still fucking sitting there accruing, yeah. interest, but it's, it's working its way down. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I worked a full-time job all the way through college on top of the sports and, and everything Man. like that. And, uh, yeah, so it was, it just became another thing and don't get me wrong. The only thing that kept me going was there's still a chance. There's still a chance we could still yeah. go. Cause if, if the idea was, Oh, I'll just graduate and quit. I would have quit a long time ago. Sure. It wouldn't have been a, a thing. Um, yeah, so it was, but I also, I'm also assuming that like a lot of your friends were 
on the baseball team. So it's like, if you quit, then you're now, well, you're not losing your group of friends, but I mean, it's. Yeah. It becomes a lot harder. I mean, even over the years, like we'd have guys that would get cut or would quit after like freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, and you just don't hang out with them anymore. You kind of lose that camaraderie of, uh, you know, all going to practice or all eating breakfast at you know, seven 30 after the 6am run and yeah. seeing each other's dicks in the showers, you know, like all, <laughs> all those kind of things that you start to miss out on. That's the one thing nobody told me about college ball. I saw way more penises than I ever thought I would oh, see in my man. entire life. It all came out of nowhere. It, it yeah. That's... <laughs> You're like, Oh God, there's a lot of balls in here. Massively unexpected. Yeah. That's, that's actually very funny. <laughs> God. Oh man. No, I, I was on an equestrian team in college. I didn't see any, we didn't, we didn't have locker rooms. So no. none of that. Yeah. You know, you, you, just... you didn't see any horses though. No. Oh God. Oh my God. We don't no. need to go there. No, I mean, well, the thing is, is that as a horse girl, you're like, you have to like, oh, I don't want to, oh, I, I've had to avoid many a tasks that I'm are sure. very gross. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> what I was going to say is because we were just talking about burnout. So I went to Purdue University, which is a Big Ten school. Yeah. And there was a very well-known basketball player when I was there whose name was Robbie Hummel. And he tore his ACL. Mm. He rehabbed it. And then he retore it the day that he had his first practice. Wow. And then it happened like two or three more times. Oh my and he, he, he became, he decided that he was going to become a rapper. Okay. So this white kid from Indiana became a rapper. That was his burnout. It Bold was like, turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> like I think you choosing to do stand up comedy is a better bet. You know? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, I do rap on the side as well. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. God. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, the injuries can come out of nowhere. Like I was my freshman year, we were doing an inter squad scrimmage. This was just during tryouts. So I wasn't even sure if I was on the team yet. And I was catching for the senior and um, it comes off the bat. The guy it was just a fastball down the middle, right off the bat. It comes right back at the pitcher and he turns around and it hits him right here in the back of the head oh. and his whole body just locked up. And he was just laying there paralyzed for like two minutes, freaking out. Oh like my coach, God. what the hell? I can't move anything. Like what is going on? Somebody, and then slowly he could like start to move his fingers again. It like just shocked his system so much that he like got paralyzed Jesus. for a couple of minutes and then he was out that was his, his senior that year was, it. It was just gone because his, his concussion was so bad he had like a, yeah he like chipped one of his vertebrae or something like that in I, there but, yeah but yeah it was it was really bad but yeah that's that stuff just comes out of nowhere and at, you see it at all levels of sports it's it just kind of can even when I was young you'd see there was like 12 year old kids when I was playing baseball in in Seattle because they take it real serious out there because oh, they can wow. start in like February Jeez. um and there was a kid who was getting Tommy John surgery when he was uh, when he was like 12 years old. And that's when they take a tendon from another part of your body and put it in your elbows. And like the kids are already blowing because out their arms like, by the time. Oh, my God. Yeah, because because they could throw a little hard. And back then, like now they count pitch counts. They, they show okay. you like how many pitches, even at the major league level, they count pitch counts. Yeah. But back then it was like, oh, he only threw five innings. He's fine. Send him out again. Uh, this but, is a 12 year old yeah but then in that five but when we got to win the game i'm telling you parents get crazy oh, obsessed they, yes. especially with baseball and football all that stuff it's so nuts um so the coaches would send him back out because he's their best chance to win the game and they got to win the title this year or else nothing nothing happens everyone gets a trophy anyway it's fucking it's 2000 uh 
And then what, what you don't know, I mean, you can go through six innings in baseball throwing 25 pitches. If sure. everyone grounds out on the first pitch, you can also go through five innings throwing 150 pitches. Yeah. Uh, and so nobody was keeping track of that data. So, so many kids, especially that were my age, had long-term shoulder and elbow injuries uh, and just couldn't play the sport anymore or any sport yeah. for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking, but there probably were less concussions or. Yeah. I, I got a concussion one time in baseball. I've only been injured really twice, like on the field. Once was, I had like a 300 pound guy slide into me at home. Um, oh my I got God. him, I got him out, but he like just shattered the, that boxer Ooh. muscle on my hand. And I went into the oh. hospital and they were like, what did you punch? I was like, what do you mean? What did I punch? You're like a 300 like, man. Yeah, punch. 300 pound guy fucking kicked my hand. You're going to believe that? Just bring in the nurse. Just, just tell us, like, let me tell this story again. Uh, and then the other time was when I was in college, I was playing in the summer league up in Keene. Uh, ah, Keene, I know Keene, New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was a, it was the first time I played in a full contact league. This is now, this is even outlawed in the major leagues where uh, full contact in baseball meaning, meaning you can run over the the catcher at home plate as okay. long as they're blocking your path um, okay so i it was like my first or second game that i was catching and i catch the ball from from outfield i come in and this guy's like maybe like five foot seven and he just puts his head like right into my chest so i tag him out i held on to the ball but then as i came back the back of my head just oh, the ground really hard Jesus. um yeah, that was, that was That's no good. Concussion. Yeah. One of the, um, one of the guys that actually mentored me when I was doing the, the bullpen catching for the Fisher cats was, uh, his, his name's Brian Jerolliman. I think he's still playing, uh, at some level and he's actually the, one of the injuries that made them start that process of changing that rule. Uh, oh, wow. because he, ha he was like the next in line to become the catcher for the blue Jays. And then he just got absolutely obliterated at home plate got oh. the wor like uh, one of the worst concussions ever almost died and now he's they're like yeah okay maybe we shouldn't just let people yeah plow into people that aren't looking at them so well especially if you come in cleat first that would yeah. be well especially that they don't even have to slide so basically yeah. most places they make the rule if the catcher's in your way and they have the ball you have to slide okay if the catcher's in your way and they don't have the ball that's the catcher's fault and you're going to be safe no matter what because they're obstructing the play sure yeah um but so many plays are bang bang that like and some kids wouldn't slide or some kids would so like over the years you'd get a few elbows to the top of your head or yeah whatever it's so yeah it's it's my, it's always around the corner yeah my uh my brother when he was in i guess it was like middle school he got hit by a bat when oh, he wow. was a catcher and he fractured his front two teeth oh my god and they thought he was gonna have to like get fake teeth to replace them they were like the roots aren't gonna last these are gonna like die and fall out uh, and somehow like through dental magic he yeah. managed to hold on to them but like wow. to this day he's like yeah that really really fucked me up like his yeah. mouth was just like gushing the um baseball coat he uh he was like you gotta get your kid to the to the hospital i think yeah. he broke his teeth <laughs> well then uh, burt, burt kreischer had a story about that too where he his dad was coaching him and and he got he had all of his front teeth taken out from yeah. a ball or a baseball bat and his dad made him keep playing until the end of the game <laughs> well burt also just has horrible teeth yeah in general. he's got like a yeah. ton of fake teeth and bad teeth well his dad was a professional baseball player or a professional something on some level was a yeah, professional he was, athlete. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what I can't was, remember though. what it is now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was track and field, something like that. I yeah, forget. it might have been track and field. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, Drew, it's been a lot of fun having you on the podcast. Yeah. Where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms at Drew Don Comedy. I just started posting stuff to TikTok the last couple uh, weeks. Uh, it's been going pretty well, just stand-up clips. So I'm, That's I'm good. pretty excited about that. Um, and then my website, DrewDunnComedy.com, if you want to see my sad list of tour dates that I have coming up. I might be coming to a Chunky's movie theater near you. <laughs> I would I would assume come like early spring, outdoor stuff will start to come back. Yeah, it's just going to, it's so tricky in March in New England. You'll have 70 degree day and then it'll snow, snow. the next day. Yeah, yeah so um, yeah, it'll be interesting, but I'm staying hopeful. I think next half of next, second half of next year, we'll, we'll be in good shape as far as stand up goes. Yeah, I hope so. I hope a lot of people have quit by that point. Yeah. I'm just I think a lot are. I think a lot already have. I think your wishes already come true, but like anything, half more have already started. So. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, you guys have been listening to another episode of the Gimme. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Pandora. If people still listen, use Pandora, um, and if you give us a five star rating, rate and review us on um, why can't I think of words today on Apple. Let me know and I'll send you some free merch. Uh, thanks so much, guys. See you next week.